Hi, this is Alex McCauley, and you're listening to the Don't Go Out There podcast. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Welcome back, podcast. everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Just want to thank all of our fans and listeners. We really appreciate all support. You guys are awesome. Before we get into tonight's film, we just want to give a quick shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. My man Brian has done a fantastic job with the website. He's got it looking great. Everything about our podcast is on there. All of our episodes and interviews from episode one to our weekly release. If you want to check out all of our episodes there. Maybe you have an office job, don't have access to your phone. You can listen on your desktop computer. We've done some incredible interviews in the past with some of the biggest names in horror, uh, some of your favorite slashers, uh, writers, directors. Check out our interviews if you haven't heard those yet. We got our store. We got some new T-shirts. Uh, Brian and Dustin have done some fantastic designs if you want to check those out. And we also have Shan's Etsy page attached as well if you want to grab a Tumblr. And we also have our social media, fa- uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, we love interacting with our fans. We love you know, meeting new people. We love answering your comments and questions on the air. So definitely check us out on social media. And the last thing I want to shout out is our Patreon. We call it Blood Donors. We have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind. You're a big fan of our podcast, a big fan of our show. You want to help support us. That option is available. And we also have one-time donations. If you want to donate and, you know, have a, if you have a film review you want us to do, that option is available as well. All right, guys, let's jump into the film review. This is a special one, uh, as legendary blood donor pick from Rochelle McLaughlin. I hope I'm saying your last name right, uh, Rochelle Mack on Instagram. She's been a longtime fan. If, uh, if you've been keeping up with us on Instagram, she's been a fan for a long, long time. Can't thank her enough for being a fan and uh, being a blood donor. Her choice is 2021's The Sadness. Uh, I'll go ahead and say this is a movie I've had on my watch list for a hot minute now, and I'm glad I finally watched it. Rochelle, this was a, I like this pick. This was really good. Uh, if if us Asian folks have proven something, we know how to make a damn zombie movie. Train to Busan was great, and I like the sadness a lot too. This movie is very different though in the fact that it doesn't really pull the like the the character development aspect like Train to Busan does, but the violence and the gore, the it's it's up there, and I can appreciate that. You know, sometimes I want to see a more violent horror movie, and I like the way that it was explained at the end. Some people might think it's lazy how they explained it, but I like how they tied it all together at the end. Uh, I enjoyed the pick. It's not perfect, but it's got it's going to get a really high score for me. Mike, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. I'm in the same boat as you, brother. Really enjoyed this film. Uh, you know, I, it's kind of like I don't know how to describe it, but I also thought of Train to Busan, you know, and I wonder why, obviously, for obvious reasons. But more the fact that they had, you know, the same zombie aspect. Although I do think this movie is less zombie, you know, more outbreak, uh, more, you know, the, the zombies, quote unquote, acted more like that they had rabies on steroids. And I actually agree with you, Nico. I like the way they tied it all in at the end. At least it made it made, you know, at least it made sense uh, eventually. Because there were some times while watching the film where I'm like, why are, you know, why are they doing this and why are they doing that? Why don't they just kill? And why do sometimes they torture? And I think they do a nice job tying all that in. I actually slightly disagree a little bit. I thought they did just enough character development to make me care about Jim 
and Cat. Like, I think there was enough there early on. Groundwork laid. They felt very relatable, very normal as a couple that's just, you know, striving to make it, striving to do their best. And I think by the time we get to where the outbreak starts, I want to see them live. I want to see them do well and make it all the way to the end. They were people that I could pull for. Uh, Anyway, love the gore, love the violence. I love how this outbreak begins, how it's explained. And I think there's enough crazy shit going on. The only word I could use to describe this film is metal as fuck. Uh, there, there is just a really like just it's three words. Yeah, god damn it, metal. The word is metal. <laughs> fair point though. Uh, <laughs> fair point. But no, I mean, again, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, there were even I, I thought the effects. You know, last two things. Effects were great. Uh, there were sometimes where it was uncomfortable watching it, at least for me, uh, where they looked so good and it wasn't played for laughs. So, like, really uncomfortable shit. And also, I thought the sound design was awesome. There's some really just, like, good, like, back sound, you know, backdrop sounds, the way the, you know, the screams play against silence. Like, and I'll get to it when we get to the the subway scene, but I really love the sound design in that scene. So, anyway, great pick, Rochelle. Loved it. Go ahead. Sorry. No, before you go, Dustin, I agree with you, Mike, about – Jim and Cat, I thought they developed them fine. But with Train to Busan, you care about everybody. Well, you know, you care. I, I was going to say, that movie's a fucking 10, pal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it developed all of the characters. This one developed, you know, the two main characters. But there was really no side characters you cared too, too much about. I mean, they were, you know, they were just, they were okay characters. But there's no one that you were invested in. You were invested with everybody in Train to Busan. But that doesn't make this movie terrible or anything. It's just, it's just a different, a little bit different route. i never heard of this movie. Um and then when I realized what it were, when I looked into it, I still like never heard of it. Didn't see anybody talking about it. So I don't know how this one slipped through the cracks because it is a good movie. Like I, I enjoyed it as well. Now, when I'm reading the synopsis and I hear zombie flick, uh, you know, it definitely didn't give me what I was expecting in that regard. Uh, cause when I think zombies, I think of eating people and I don't think anybody ate anything. Cause even when they were chewing on the body yeah. parts, they ended up spitting it out most of the time. Yeah. So yep. to me, going watch you were saying, Mike, to me, this is more of a virus, uh, similar to the movie mayhem that we covered than it is, uh, yep. world war Z or, you yep. know, something like that. Um, this movie is brutal and gory and violent as fuck. And, in the right ways. So, you know, I had a, I was very vocal in my criticism of Damien Leone and terrifier and terrifier too, because to me, his gore was used just for shock value. This movie actually has substance. Like this movie actually has a story uh, that doesn't feel like it just, there's natural progression of the story. We're not thrown into the middle of something happening. Like art, art, the clown was kind of already established and we just happened to stumble upon him and got, the most disgusting visuals we've ever seen. This movie had a story with characters we cared about. Um, Kat, you know, she deserved better. I'll just, I'll get into that later. But uh, yeah, hey, Kat, call me sometime. Can't do shit to me over that one, bro, because that's my wife's name. What's up? Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, Regina Lay or Lee. I'm not sure. Nico, how do I pronounce that last name? L E I. Um, but I did send her a DM on Instagram in her native tongue, so I need her to respond to that. But uh, <laughs> this movie, I, I enjoyed this movie. Um, again, just like I said on uh, 
human centipede. I honestly can't tell you if the acting was good or not because I don't speak the language, so I don't know if their line delivery sounded normal. But to their benefit, uh, that worked out because to me the acting was phenomenal. I thought that all the characters portrayed exactly what they were supposed to portray. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. We're really quick, Nico. I think we would be like remiss if we just completely left out the fact that this movie has plenty of COVID commentary, uh, uh, plenty of uh, QAnon commentary, for lack of a better term. You know, everything's a hoax. Everything's not real. Uh, There's plenty there if you want to, you know, really dive into it. But I I just mean like, hey, I don't want to ignore that because it's, you know, clearly oh, I, making a statement on all of that. <laughs> I didn't ignore it. It's in my notes. So okay. we'll yeah, get it in the scene by scene. Yeah, it's in mine a little bit for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've got it in the scene by scene as well. All right, guys, let's jump into it. The film starts with a warning of graphic and extreme violence and gore. It's that way. They're there to tell you, you know, you're in for something. Opening credits roll as we see virus cells mutating. Title card and we meet Jim and Cat in bed. He rolls over, embracing her with his hand on her stomach. She rolls over and they cuddle. Kat's alarm goes off and Jim asks for her to take the morning off, but she has important meetings she has to attend. She asks about their trip next week. He apologizes, saying Barry has work for him next week. It's for a German ad agency. She stresses it wasn't easy to get off work, and he says he needs the job. She wants to relax and tan, and he says, why don't you just go on the roof? She storms away frustrated. He knocks on the bathroom door and apologizes, saying he'll try and reschedule. He makes the bed and has some breakfast. His entire Facebook feed is all about a virus, and he watches a YouTube video of a doctor explaining the Alvin virus and its mutations. It's very similar to rabies. The other person comments how there's been no deaths from it, and it's quite convenient it showed up during an election year. Sound familiar? Jim sees a woman on another roof and asks if she's okay. And I'm saying she's a woman because it's portrayed by a woman, but everyone online says it's a man, so I'm going with woman. woman. She turns around, and her gown is blood-soaked. Cat asks if he's ready to go. Mr. Lynn waters his plants next door, and they chit-chat. He says he just has a cold. He's done waiting at hospitals. He calls the virus and pandemic a hoax so rich people can buy up cheap stock. He says he'll give him some. He says he'll give Jim some Thai basil later. Jim and Cat leave to take her to work. On their ride, they see cops have a bloody rage-induced man contained and a family mourning a dead person on a stretcher. Jim apologized to her for slowing down as they pass the scene. He says he'll make dinner for them tonight, and they share a kiss. Jim's at a diner now and orders a coffee. They chat about real estate being down as the old woman from the roof walks in. All right, Mike, that's the opening set. Uh, go ahead. And just a disclaimer, Brian, he's not going to be here tonight, Rochelle. Sorry. Uh, he used the excuse of he has kids. <laughs> hey, father of the year, what can I say? Uh, look, I, I actually really like this open, uh, you know, with the virus cells mutating. I thought it looked really cool. Uh, and I'd kind of love that they take what I would normally consider a TV approach and warn you about what you're about to see on screen. I thought that was pretty cool as well, very unique. Um, I will say I'm getting soft and old because not a whole lot better feeling than waking up in the morning and snuggling with the one you love. Just throwing that out there. It's good vibes only over this way. However, tends to be very – you know, this is why I found them relatable because I always get the complaint that I wake her up right before her alarm goes off, which – I don't know. That seems a little too timely, in my opinion. I don't know if they're if they've all got together and decided this is going to be a common complaint, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, again, even the you know this woman is even named Cat. So again, I was able to relate to her and and her and her struggle here. Uh, what, uh, Nico? I meant to ask you. I don't know if you know, but what is this man eating? 
Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, it looked like a uh, looked like, like a, a white like pastry unc- that he was putting hot sauce on or something. Dude, it, it looked weird. like an Uncrustable that he was putting some kind of it hot did. sauce yeah. on. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, obviously, the movie is starting already to kind of satirize uh, American politics and, and, and how they handled the coronavirus and maybe other countries too, but obviously I'm only taking in uh, what's local to us here, so I'm not really sure. But again, back to being relatable, I just think even their little kind of argument that they have here is very normal, happens all the time. Uh, sometimes you just have to take the L as him and move on. Uh, it happens that way. And so I think, uh, again, just a very relatable couple that I'm already pulling for. I will say this neighbor is almost, you know, <laughs> I, he's the kind of guy that I just dap up and leave alone because he's already saying this whole thing is a hoax. And I'm just like, eh, okay, buddy. Have a good one, brother. Uh, I will say if I saw this old woman on the roof, I would run immediately. There would be no no reason in any any scenario to stay uh, and act like everything is okay if I saw her on the roof. Um, <laughs> again, right here, they kind of already shitting on QAnon people, in my opinion. Uh, I love that we're getting to see some chaos in the streets early on. I think a lot of times there are zombie movies that take their sweet-ass time showing us something that's starting to develop. No, something's not on the up and up here right away, and I really like that. Um, and again, just last time I'm going to say because I'm repeating myself, but it's in my notes. I love that there's a relatable couple in a horror movie because you don't get that that often. Like, you know, normally you're just not getting people that you root for in horror films. And I think I finally found, you know, my little soft spot here. I do love, uh, so, sorry. I love some of the random shots that we get here in this little diner. Uh, you know, the cutting of the fish, the cooking of the food, the, the grease frying, obviously they showed you the grease fry for what's to come. <laughs> so obviously that was a little bit of a setup there to kind of, you know, remind you that, Hey, this is here. Uh, I just like the way they shot this film. I think it's really well done. Uh, Look, they've done a fantastic job making me very creeped out by this old woman already. And this is before we get a close-up on her face, which we're about to get into. Go ahead, Dustin. So I like the opening credits. Uh, It's a perfect backdrop for a movie about a virus. I thought that was well done. And then the first thing I noticed about our lead character, she's got some thick-ass sideburns. They were longer than the guys. That was wild to me. I don't know why I fixated on that in the opening scene, but... I quickly forgot about it the more I looked at her. Woo. Uh, then what I meant by earlier by, uh, you know, she deserves better. She's like, hey, you remember we're going on that trip? You could tell he completely didn't know what she was talking about because he probably wasn't listening. And then he made up some excuse on the fly about, oh, I, I got to work. It's like, come on, dude. She, do- she doesn't deserve or he doesn't deserve her. But then she complained about only getting 10 vacations a year. Who is she? Mike Settle? I mean, good God, 10 vacations a year sounds just like Mike. 10 vacation anyway. days. 10 vacation uh, days, not 10 vacations. My subtitles did not say days. It said 10 vacations. So <laughs> I thought that she was on your PTO plan. That's I don't know. What I get. It, it was days. <laughs> oh, it was days. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm right this one time. I watched it on Shutter. You watched it on uh, Amazon, Voodoo. I think. Yeah, Hoodoo. So uh, watch it I again on Shutter. I watched on A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Oh, sorry. So anyway, but then I'm un, I'm unfamiliar with the culture, so I may be wrong. But it was very weird to me when she went into the bathroom. Like when she opened the door, there was curtains hanging in front of the bathroom door. 
Is that a, is that a thing? Is that I don't a know. thing? That's a good question. She had <laughs> curtains. She had curtains that were like hung from the top of the door frame to about chest level, and they like it wasn't. It was just in the background there, but I saw it. That's weird. Okay, but then we get a very. It's very topical from what we've been through the last three years. Uh, when he said, "Doctor, why do you promote the fear of the virus?" And then the doctor says that a lot of people feel it's no more than the flu. Uh, where, where have I heard that before? You know, and then he said, it's convenient. It shows up in election year. Okay, pal. I'll see you. see what we're doing and see what the inspiration was here. Then we get our first blood less than eight minutes in. So we're off to a good start pace wise. We didn't really waste any time. And, uh, and unlike, or, and I do like how the woman disappeared from the roof. Like it adds some tension when he turns and turns back and she's gone. That was cool. But then Jim's conversation with his neighbor, I get it. Like this is a hundred percent based on Corona. You don't have to, like, I don't know. It's at parts at times, part of it seemed like too on the nose where they, where they drew inspiration from, but it's fine. Cause it is, it's just shit that we've heard for three years straight. So I guess I was wanting an escape from that. Uh, the last thing I have is when Jim is driving cat on his little scooter there and it goes slow mile or slow mo while they look at the police. I desperately wanted them to wreck. Like I was actively <laughs> rooting for him to run into like rear end someone because he wasn't look. They, neither one of them were looking at the right. road at all. They're looking at the police on the side there. I would have laughed my ass off, but it's a good set of scenes to get us started here. All right. Some customers notice her and a man checks on her. She has an evil look and vomits all over him. She grabs a grease basket and dumps it on the cook's head and rips his face off. The man who was spit on now stabs his friend to death as chaos ensues. Jim backs into the street as the woman is hit and killed, but the driver is infected too. He says the bitch came out of nowhere, and that made me laugh. A woman leaps to her death, and Jim runs away from the infected down an alley. He makes it to his apartment and cracks open a cold one. He tries calling Kat to no success, and all the TV channels have emergency broadcasts except for a weird cartoon. Jim hears a message from a megaphone about men being killed brutally and women being raped. I'm sorry to say that, but this is what happens in the movie. He texts Kat now asking if she's okay as we see someone enter his apartment. It's Mr. Lynn. He has hedge clippers and charges Jim. He cuts his fingers off and Jim kicks him away. Lynn says he'll finger his girl for him after he spits the bloody finger into the fish tank. Jim bashes him in the head with a toaster and escapes as Lynn slowly gets up. Jim puts a rag on his bloody hand as he hears the chaos around him. He sees a man have his arm broken horrifically. Jim makes it back to his scooter and it stalls cranking up and the zombies chase after him as he drives away. A cop shoots at him, but he makes it away safely. We're on the subway now with Kat, who hasn't seen Jim's messages. She's trying to read her book as a businessman flirts with her repeatedly against her will. He's mad and said he was being nice. Kat gives her seat to Molly and stands up now. Everyone is scrolling their phones, and suddenly a man in glasses cries and begins stabbing people, and panic ensues. He stabs a man in the neck whose blood volcanoes into the roof. Others grab the man and hold him down as he asks if he broke the record. Another infected man begins stabbing people. All hell has broken loose. The businessman appears in front of Molly and stabs her in the eye with his umbrella and laughs at her cries. The people flee as the train stops. Molly and Kat run in a different direction as we see Kat's phone on the ground. All right, Mike, that's the next set of scenes. What'd you think? Yeah, so I kind of mentioned it at the end of my last uh, little thing. That was before we saw this woman's face. When she turns around, two things. One, that's an ugly son of a bitch. But second of all, love the way they make these people's eyes. I, I think it looks so evil 
and 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 just terrifying if you saw somebody with basically black eyes with red rings in real life that shit would scare the fuck out of you and i i just love the way the infected people look in this whole movie throughout i'm gonna say it multiple times so just get used to me repeating myself but anyway the face the teeth the rotten just nasty and then she hocked a big nasty infected loogie in someone's face which is just disgusting uh that's how most viruses spread and in movies, so this one was no different. Um, I won't, man. Again, they showed the grease earlier to set you up uh, to use it here to remind you that it was there. And boy, did they ever! That was, and honestly, this was rough to watch. Like I was not expecting them to show it to this degree to see the to see the skin burn in real time and to peel it off his face. I thought it was really well done. It made me, it made my skin crawl, made me uncomfortable but I couldn't look away because I thought they did such a great job of making it look like that's probably what doing that to a real person would look like that. That, that really made me uh, unsettled. I am glad this bitch got ran over because <laughs> Dustin talked about it in the last set of scenes where like they wish they'd hit something on that bike of theirs. When this bitch got ran over and the guy <laughs> smiled out of the window, I thought it was hilarious. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> like it, there's a few times where I uncomfortably laugh in this film. I'm not going to lie. There's one later that's just, that's, I, I don't know why I laughed so long, but I did. And, and again, just love the way that, for, I love the way that the infected are portrayed in this film. It's a very modern version of a zombie. It's not just walking slow, making grunting noises. Um, again, like we, you know, like me and Dustin and even Nico touched on, these aren't really zombies. They're, you know, they're more like humans with rabies, essentially, is is the way that I saw it. Like, you know, super rabies, if you will. And I thought they're just portrayed really well. I think it's awesome how they use this old-timey cartoon here with the music they choose to kind of, you know, and all the PSA that that's going on around it. I love it. Uh, it kind of reminded me of the Purge films a little bit with just the fact there's, you know, someone talking over the speaker, a warning on the TV. Like, I really thought they did a great job and. Like those Purge films, I said them in the, all the reviews we had, I can place myself in their shoes, and I'm terrified. Like, this would be an absolutely terrifying thing. Um, <laughs> you know, and finally we get Mr. Lin here, where that motherfucker thought it was all a hoax. Yeah, okay, motherfucker. Now you're infected trying to cut me with some hedge clippers. Like, fuck you. I will say, and he may have spit them back out and I just missed it, but this man picked up fingers and ate them like chicken nuggies, man. That grosses oh, he me spit out every time. Uh, he spit it in the he spit it in the aquarium. Oh, that's right. He did spit it in the aquarium. God damn it. Why didn't I write that down and retain that? Okay. All jokes aside, this scene is really well done, man. I I, I love it. I I think these infected fuckers look super evil, and how Mr. Lin looks is great. It's a it's incredibly tense, super suspenseful, and our main character that we're following so far loses fingers. Like I think it's a really well done scene. Um Look, then he walks up on somebody breaking in another person's arm, which Dustin can attest to this. I see Neck stepped on with steel chairs every Monday and Wednesday night. This is nothing breaking of an arm. Man, I, I, I've i seen concertos for the last 25 years. This ain't shit, pal. Anyway. Uh, nah, that shit was brutal. <laughs> it yeah, was it brutal. I'm just messing good. around. It was, na- it was, ooh, it was ooh, nasty, yeah. man. Uh, it, it, it wasn't good. Um Again, I've said this for other films, but this one is no different. I just love that we have chaos with the backdrop 
of the of the quiet of this subway. Like I love how we go from pandemonium to sitting on a subway. I love when a movie does that and and pulls it off well. Then we have an old man incel in real life, like just really mad that no one wants to touch his dick. Uh, immediately unlikable from the jump. Uh, just old man yelling at clouds about how this young pretty woman doesn't want to give him the time of day. That's tough bananas, pal. Um, just I thought immediately, immediately unlikable character and somebody to root against, which I could tell that's what they were setting up. Uh, Man, I talked about it a little while ago, but the stabs on the subway were almost like quiet stabs. Like, you know, when you when is it the office where they have like the fight where everyone's like whispering or whatever? Uh, I can't remember if it's the office, but there's oh, no, the other guys. Sorry, not the office. Jesus Christ. But in the movie, the other guys where they're fighting at the funeral, but they're whispering. That's how these stabs were uh, uh, for a while there. I thought it was really well done. Love the sound design there. I'm almost done. This is the most I have, I promise. Um, and then I literally wrote in my notes because I'm ta- as I'm watching it, holy shit, this got fucking wild. Because the subway scene is where all chaos starts to break loose. And I think it's really effective. Kind of build it up. But yeah, we've seen a little bit, but this is where the real pandemonium starts. It reminded me, please don't crucify me. It reminded me of a much better version, even though I like the movie, of the bus scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. Like, just a much better done version of that. I thought it was really well done. Um, last thing, just super intense. Uh, just love this set of scenes. And I like I, there, I can't find a flaw in, in the film so far. I'm really enjoying it, and I'm locked in to find out what happens. Go ahead, Nico. Sorry. No, you're good. I just wanted to jump in before Dustin goes, before he gets going. I thought a really good touch was seeing that guy with a tear roll down his face because it's it really got you interested in like like what was going on deeper yeah. than the virus. And yeah. I thought the fact that he had his sunglasses on killing people, I don't know. I, I thought it was, like you said, it was great. I thought they yeah. executed that perfectly. Yeah, and that happens a couple times with the, the tears. It's like they know they're infected and they're like, oh, no. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yep. Like um, there's a subconscious human emotion there that knows they don't want to be doing it. I thought that was really well done. Yep. Yeah. And Mike, uh, you talking about the, the train scene, the train scene immediately made me think of train to Busan just for the, you know, the obvious reasons happens on a train in Asia. But, uh, when the crazy bitch walks into the, uh, the restaurant there with the jiffy, jiffy feet, as you say, uh, movies full speed ahead from there on. It's brutal when she dumps the hot grease on the guy and then rips his cheek off and then she gets plowed by a car. I love it. Uh, pretty intense scene as Jim is leaving the restaurant there. Uh, all good stuff. And then those had to be the dullest garden shears ever because Mr. Lynn attacked him and lunged at him and he just caught him with his hand and not a drop of blood fell. And so I almost think they only chopped his fingers off because of the, uh, of the pressure, not because the blades were sharp. That was crazy. Uh, and then I think this is our first death by toaster we've covered. But then I guess he he sat up at the end, so he wasn't dead. But still, love a good toaster shot to the head. That's neat. Um, these and then these motherfuckers are fast as hell. So we definitely got some World War Z zombies, not Walking Dead zombies. I like that old dude on the train, creepy as fuck. My man, you're old enough to be her grandfather. It looks like. Please have some self awareness. Like what the hell are you doing? And then the guy in the sunglasses uh, gets more stab happy than a movie shot in Woodsboro. Insane amount of blood spew. Really like that. We get an insane visual of the guy biting through the other guy's Achilles. That hurt to watch. 
because I don't know if you ever had an Achilles injury. I had a strained Achilles. It wasn't torn, oh, thank God. But oh. My God, that was brutal. And then he, the sick fuck licks the wound. That was something. Uh, and then we see that Kat lost her phone. So we know that we're in for a hell of a ride, and she's in for an even crazier ride. This set of scenes ends with the deranged woman just standing about with her tit out. Just nuts. Like I, I really like that train scene. Yeah, very good. The businessman picks up his umbrella and chases after the two women. Molly falls, saying she can't breathe and for Kat to leave her. She tells her she's all right, and they're close to the exit and a hospital. They hear the man coming for them, and he sprints towards them. They run into this buff guy, and he sees Molly's injury. He defends the girls versus the businessman, but he gets his nose bit off and killed with several axe swings to the face. He didn't put up much of a fight. The women run away, and Kevin, an EMT guy, begins closing the roll-up door. They make it out just in time, and Molly, Molly, whops him in the nose. He says the police told him to close the door and points them towards the hospital. As the businessman says, he'll see them later. Jim rides the road and sees all the carnage as we hear a radio station broadcast speaking on the events. Jim drives away in a panic from a man raping a corpse. Jim takes a country road after seeing a tunnel blocked off by the crashed vehicles. Jim tapes up his hands and fi- his hand and finds a scythe. He hears a scream and sees four guys attacking another man with baseball bats. They wrap barbed wire around a basketball post and run his crotch into it. Jim intervenes, saving the man, or so he thinks. He's infected as well, saying he was about to shoot his load. The others return, attacking Jim with rocks, and he runs away and drives off on his scooter. We're back at the hospital, and they let Molly and Kat inside. The cop says the ER is closed. It got overrun, but they stopped him quickly. A nurse checks on Molly and says she likely has a concussion and wheels her away. Molly stops the wheelchair so she can thank Kat for saving her, and Kevin calls her a drama queen. All right, Mike, that's the next set of scenes. What'd you think? Uh, I was saying I love the aftermath of this brutal fucking subway scene or train scene. Uh, I think it looks awesome. The effects look great. Uh, and just really gnarly. Like I love, like I like the fact that like it took a long time to kind of linger on that. Uh, look, I do like because the rules with who, you know, once they're infected, what they are and, and how they act are kind of loose. You know, again, it gets tied up in the end. But while you're watching it, I'm thinking to myself, I love how they've they've lost their verbal filter almost. <laughs> you know, they'll just say whatever the fuck comes to their mind. And I think that makes them even more evil and it makes you invest in, God, what a fuck. You know, even if they weren't infected, what a fucking prick to say some of the stuff these people say. I think, again, makes them almost more relatable because that's what a normal villain would do. Uh, so I really like that. Look, it's weird, but because of how much crazy violence we've already seen this man's nose getting michael jackson didn't do anything for me like i know it was bitten off but like i don't know he he just looked like uh south park's version of michael jackson when his body starts breaking down like that's or excuse me mr jefferson not michael jackson my it's bad ignorant. Ignorant. Uh, but that's how his nose looked and i i'm sorry i thought of south park and laughed i couldn't help myself uh, but it's crazy how quickly you can become desensitized uh, from like my skin crawling in the in the grease fryer to this now, where I'm just like, eh, okay. Uh, I, but again, uh, I, yeah, you know, I'm never quick to watch this style of film, this infection film, uh, zombie film, into the world stuff. I'm, it's not really normally my forte, but I love showing the aftermath of chaos. Like I just, you know, I talked about it in the Purge movies, and I've already talked about it here. But some of the shots they decide to stick on where you can see the violence and chaos and its aftermath. I just love it. I think it really 
you know, kind of puts me in the right mindset for the film. I do. And, and, you know, we, uh, again, I took these notes while watching the first time, but I, you know, I want to clear up, obviously this gets solved later, but I found it interesting at the time that their first intuition isn't to kill immediately, you know, like Dustin uh, mentioned with zombie movies, you're immediately just eating people and they don't do that here. They almost like, like to torture people first, like hit their nuts on goal. Now, again, we eventually find out he's infected as well, but from a distance, it looks like they're just torturing this man. Uh, and why, why are they doing that instead of killing them is just a question that I had, not necessarily a flaw, but I found it in the moment. I found it kind of lazy, uh, but not after the fact, I think they did a good job wrapping it up. Um, but first dumb horror movie character choice here made by Jim. Uh, I would not help this man. This, it, it is a lost cause. I appreciate you being a decent human being, but I would not help this man at fucking all. I'm leaving. There's too much going on. I got to get out of there. You know, he could have easily been infected by any of these people. Uh, I admire him for having the balls, but it's a dumb horror movie character choice that I didn't like. Last thing. I like how this isn't played, you know, this hospital scene. You know, a lot of these kinds of movies are played for laughs or they're over the top. Uh, or even like Dustin mentioned with Terrifier where a lot of the gore is just for shock value. I love this hospital scene because it grounds it in reality. It is very stoic. The room is sad, confused, doesn't know what to do. Uh, this feels like a real outbreak. And it's. It, I, I love how we get a little bit of weight to the scenes in this film. You know, we likened it to Train to Busan, how there's some emotional investment. Well, I'm emotionally invested in the people in these, in this hospital room because they all look like they're fucking, like they just saw a ghost. And and I love the acting, or at least I think I love the acting. Like Dustin mentioned the way it's portrayed. Thought it was really well done. Yeah. uh, First thoughts on this set of scenes is cat. You got to know when to cut the dead weight. You don't know the stranger. You don't owe her anything. Save yourself. When she fell, when you're running, my ass would have got up and started running, left her. But I mean, you learned her lesson by the end of this scene. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Then these dumbass women are just sitting there screaming while a man is getting his nose bit off. What are you doing? Run. Like they're just sitting still screaming. Like, no. Uh, We get a bit of a breather when Jim is walking through the street on his bike. That's not to say we get a break from the gore, there's guts everywhere. And I thought that they all, all the intestines like and all the blood looked really good. Well, that sounded weird. Not look good, but good effects. Uh, then when he takes his towel off to look at his hand, all I could think was, man, he'll never go bowling again. And that's sad. I love bowling. Uh, he saved the guy. He tried to save the guy on the basketball court. But if I'm that guy, I'd rather die. They completely crushed his balls on that basketball goalpost. There's no worth, no life worth living after that. Then we find out that I guess he was infected too, so it's fine. But no, nah, hell no, just kill me, dog. Uh, and Nico, you mentioned you found that scythe. It is funny to me that scythe was like a perfect Nike logo. I don't know if you noticed that, but it was absolutely <laughs> perfect. And he didn't he didn't cut anyone with it. Like, what's the point of picking it up, dog? You're just gonna stand there like a bitch. I'd have been mutilating those guys. Uh, I did get a good laugh out of Kevin at the hospital. Like, he was so concerned about his nose, and turns out it wasn't broken. He's fine. And then his attitude towards Molly in general, like, he, he was a good comedic relief character, unintentionally funny. But, yeah, it's a, it's a, another good set of scenes. Kat realizes her phone is missing and asks to use Kevin's. 
The general addresses the nation now as Kat snaps on Kevin. The president addresses the nation now and says they're unable to make any conclusions yet on what caused the outbreak. This is the biggest challenge in our country's history, he says. The general speaks again saying it's likely a contagious virus causing it, and 15 to 20 percent of the population has it. He closes his eyes and reopens them, and we see he's infected. He grabs the president and shoves a grenade in his mouth. We see his head explode on live TV in the feed cuts. Men begin fighting in the lobby as we see the businessman is outside the hospital door. Cat runs away as the businessman launches an axe through the glass door and to the cop's back. The place is overrun by zombies and Kevin hides under a hospital bed. The businessman finds Molly and this is pretty extreme. So, and, uh, so yeah, just a little warning. The businessman finds Molly and rapes her in her eye wound. Cat removes her shoes to be quieter as Jim sees messages from her where she's at. He calls her and they chat asking if they're okay. She says only crazy people are here and she doesn't know what to do. He says for her to hide and he'll call her when he gets there. She tells him she loves him and how much he means to her. Jim zones out seeing a dummy head in the water and he sheds a tear. He says he got lightheaded and I'll be there soon. Jim overlooks the city and we see smoke and hear people's cries. Kevin emerges and he sees a bloody zombie orgy going on. He runs off and sees Molly hovering a body she's eating. She grabs a circle saw and walks towards him. He tries to run off, but the others capture him and Molly begins sawing him up as blood splatters all over them. Molly runs off as other zombies chase after her. She uses bed railing to block the door off. The businessman says he's not going to stop until he's fucked her to death. He makes it through the door and says sorry to the others. She's all his. He grabs his axe and pursues after her again. He says the fat girl didn't get away and her eye fluid is drying on his dick right now. Cat blasts him with a fire extinguisher and bashes his head in with it. He says she's like him, violent and depraved and laughs. She bashes his head into a bloody pulp. All right, Mike, that's the next set of scenes. What do you think? Uh, first things first, in this particular time, I don't think I'd let anybody borrow my phone. Like, I don't care what Cat said to me. I'm probably just going to say no, and you're going to have to come pry it from my cold, dead hands because there's a fucking virus going around. Anyway, this thing spreads too fast. Uh, they're a little on the nose with some of the COVID commentary here. I mean, just how far, like, with how the news is, disseminated on tv how it's presented like a surgeon general like just really like you know really on the nose or at least that's how it was done in america i will say i fucking love this turn of events not heel turn but like the fact that the reveal that that this man is infected as well the grenade to the back of the head kill i fucking loved it what a cool scene the music was great love the kill maybe my maybe my favorite kill of the whole movie i'm still debating between two um i thought it was awesome and again just like a cool holy shit turn of events and i love when a movie can make me say that um again if i were my man kevin here i'd be pissed about my phone too better give me my goddamn phone back shit's about to hit the fan but no unlike pulling molly along with her she learned her lesson and cat was in it for herself got the phone and got the fuck out of there which hey i can respect um Listen, man, fucking an eye hole is unconscionable. Like, I can't even begin to describe what that is, what we saw. <laughs> like, luckily, they don't show it too gratuitously. So, you know, but you, you get the screams and you can, you know, your imagination starts to fill in the blanks and it's fucking just unfathomable. Like, I, I hate to use so many Stephen A. Smith big words here, but that's the only thing I can use to describe it. Just fucking gross, man. 
and evil and vile. And I think, I don't think it's over the top. I think they're trying to get across what this virus can do to people. Uh, obviously, there's a commentary there, I'm sure, about what what any kind of virus, whether it be health-wise or not, can do to people uh, when something spreads, whether that be, you know, fake news uh, or any of that stuff, like what it can do to people. Uh, and this is no different. Like, this is just fucking gross, man. And the screams made me super uncomfortable. Just uh, a tough scene to watch. Um, I thought they did a great job with Jim overlooking the chaos. I thought that was a great shot uh, and a, you know, a sign of things to come. Uh, look, I, I love this phone call because I, you know, w- 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 with the floating head, I'm thinking, uh Oh, Jim's, he's not going to make it. Is he, but I'm pulling for them the whole time to reunite and kind of kick ass together. I'm pulling for them. They've made me invest there. Uh, thought they, and again, a bloody fucking orgy. Come on, man. I got, I got, I'm not so sure this needed to be in here after the whole eye hole fucking thing. It was, it was wild, man. Um, I am mad that Molly ended up infected because even though we called her dead weight, you know, we got to see her struggle and kind of fight through it. And yet here she is infected uh, using the circular saw to get through just really so much goddamn blood, man, just buckets and buckets of blood. I thought it was absolutely brutal. Uh, Last thing I loved the killing of this businessman. One of the most satisfying on-screen deaths I've seen in a long time. Thought it was awesome. And good for Cat. Bass his fucking brains in. He deserved it. So it was crazy to see when the guy's giving his speech to the masses and then he gets infected while he's on air. I thought that was awesome. Uh, the way it was nuts, the way his head exploded, or the other guy's head exploded with the grenade, that was awesome. Then all hell breaks loose in the right in the waiting room when the creepy old bastard is looking through the door. It was a great oh shit moment because you see like he really has imprinted on them and he's following them. He's going to get what he wants. Uh, very uncomfortable when he finds Molly and then literally I fucks her. Didn't like that one bit. Nope. Uh, great scene when Jim is on the phone and starts to have the hallucination caused by the virus when he's looking at that mannequin head in the water. I really like how that was shot and it planted the seeds. Like it was a great added layer of mystery for his character. Is he succumbing to the virus? Is he just, you know, overreacting? What's going on? Bloody zombie, uh, bloody zombie gangbang wasn't on my bingo card for this year. However, it may be my fantasy football team name next season. Stay tuned. Get some really great shots here when Kevin is walking backwards and we see the group of people waiting around the corner before they pounce on him. That was great. And then something as small as the blood flying off the saw blade when he turned it on. That was a great touch. I, it was so subtle, but the way the blood was already on, you know, already on that saw when he turned it on, that was great. I really enjoyed cat in that creepy fuck with that fire extinguisher. That was very gratifying. So yeah, just a, you know, another good scene set of scenes filled with a lot of violence. A door opens and she runs inside with Dr. Wong as the other zombies make it through the blocked door. We see the other zombies use blood to cover up the camera. Doctor tells her at gunpoint to cuff herself in the shower. She says no and threatens to shoot. He doesn't know if she's infected. He turns the shower on. It's cold, but it's a disinfectant solution. He thinks she may be immune to the virus. He tells her to take her clothes off. They have contaminated flesh on them. He explains why he's in the maternity ward and asks if she has children. He turns around while she undresses, but watches her in the mirror. He turns the shower back on to continue cleaning her and Jim makes it to the hospital. He uncuffs her and says he'll take blood samples after she's dressed. 
He says his gun is 3D printed and not a toy. He says he warned them this virus would mutate, but people don't believe doctors anymore and calls politicians the worst. He says the virus is like being possessed by an evil spirit. It governs the area that controls sexual drive. You know, he explains a lot more, but, you know, I didn't write all of it down. He explains the men chasing after her likely know their action are revile, but they can't stop themselves. They don't attack the infected because their satisfaction is in suffering. Cat throws her clothes in the waste bin and we hear a baby crying. She sees the infected baby and she has a serum injected into her neck. Dr. Wong killed the babies and tells her he injected her with the Alvin virus to see if she's immune. If she doesn't show any signs, they will lead her to a helicopter on the roof. If she's infected, he will kill her. Her blood could be used to save lives. She checks the phone, but no calls from Jim. He says he found eight abandoned babies and injected them with the virus. He says they would have all been raped or killed anyways. It was best for them. All right, Mike, what do you think of that set of scenes? And the next set is the ending. I mean, obviously, by the the way you described the final little bit there, it sounds like there's a lot that happens. But I actually like that we kind of slow it down here before we ramp up one more time. Uh, there's a lot of dialogue and explanation for why the virus has mutated this way and made the people act the way they have, whether that be eating people or not eating people. Like we've mentioned, uh, the torturing of people, the evil, vile things they say. So I like that we get an explanation for why their immediate thing isn't to just kill people. I, I really like the fact that we've explained that this virus more so removes any uh, you know rational thought from their brains. It makes them do things they normally wouldn't do. And we've already touched on the subconscious tears that they shed. So there's clearly some someone in there that has a conscience, but they can't do anything about it because they're infected with the virus. I think that's a much deeper written story. And I love that explanation. I, you know, if, if you see it as lazy, I totally understand, but I did not have it come across that way. I thought it was a really good explanation for, for what's gone down here. And I, again, like that we're slowing down and giving what we've seen so far, some context. And, and I, I think it was done great. Uh, it just answers all the questions I had. So bravo to them. I don't have a whole lot more here because that was the big takeaway, but I was waiting on this doctor to kind of be crazy. Like he was almost too nice. You know, I was lured into a sense of uh, false security there for a minute. And then I snapped out of it. Uh, You know, the dead babies thing. I'm not really sure if it was like a hundred percent necessary though, but him injecting her with the virus to kind of see where she was. I understand because you know, there's a lot of other infection movies that do that. Uh, so I understand, but Hey, this motherfucker tried to rationalize everything with these children. Last thing. Yes. Motherfucker. What you did was inhumane. You are no better than these people with the virus. And I think that's what the point is trying to make there. So I thought this was a nice set of scenes to kind of set up for a big blow up here in the ending. Yeah. The, uh, the handcuffs on the pipe in a shower with the lighting in that room gave me major saw vibes. I thought Dr. Wong was going to make her play a game to escape. His dialogue with Kat as she's getting dressed is again pulled directly from the news the past few years. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I like how he explains why the infected don't attack each other. I thought that was a, a good touch. I'm glad that was addressed. Uh, it was wild seeing the baby in the garbage and then Wong stuck her and injected her like that. That was a great twist because, like you said, we think that, okay, this is a good guy. He's just being precautious. 
But uh, turns out, nah, he wanted to see if she's, inv- <laughs> you know, susceptible to the virus and did not want to get her consent, just took it in his own hands. That was a great twist. Also, I love how he closed the shower curtain when he took care of the baby and the, you know, the trash baby, but he made her keep it open to undress. He ain't slick. I know what he was doing. He wanted to, he wanted to get as much of an eyeful as he could, but this was a good set of scenes because it added some more layers to uh, what's going on. All right, guys, here's the ending. Cat gets the phone unlocked and texts Jim, but he drops the phone in blood. He heads towards her location. Dr. Wong gets suited back up with his gun and asks how she feels. She says, put the gun away. The two exit the door and a zombie appears and cuts half of the doctor's foot off with an axe. He shoots the man in the head, killing him. He shoots the other zombie in the stomach. The zombie pukes into his foot wound before the doctor can shoot him again, killing him. The doctor snaps, saying, help him up. She won't have roof access without him. They hobble down the hall until a door opens. It's Jim. But unfortunately, he's infected as well. He asks her if that's her new boyfriend. Jim says he's going to chop his dick off and feed it to him. He shoots Jim once, but the gun explodes in his hand on the next shot. Jim stabs him in the neck with a scythe, and the doctor says he killed those babies, and it felt so good, so good. He laughs maniacally. Cat escapes and locks Jim out. You found me, she tells him. He asks for her to open the gate. She asks, how's it feel? He says, it feels wonderful. I feel like I finally have a purpose in life. You are my purpose, Cat. Listen to me. I knew I had to find you. I had to be with you. Then cut your tits off and smash your face. I'll peel your skin off slowly. She cries listening to him as he says he needs her and loves her. She begins laughing and drooling and runs to the roof. The door closes and we hear machine gun shots as the camera zooms in on Jim's face as he dies. All right, Mike, that's the ending. What did you think? Yeah, I did. So question for you guys, because I wasn't sure how to take this because of the end with her like drooling and stuff. Is she immune or is it a really dark ending where she's not immune? Do I misunderstand that? I think she's immune, but she still got killed. <laughs> right. I'm just like, well, I, just a, I had that too, Mike, because uh, it, it kind of leaves it open to interpretation right. how I took it because not only was she drooling like that, but she was kind of la- laughing in a maniacal way. Like she yeah. was starting to go crazy. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just wasn't sure. I mean, either way, I don't think it really affects the outcome of the film or anything. I was just curious. I do like that these uh, zombies, for lack of a better term, can survive gunshots. Very Chad of them. Shout out to Chad, even though Scream 7 is probably off now. But anyway, uh, man, I was so upset to see Jim like this. I was invested in these characters, and I went, nah, man, not fucking Jim. I couldn't believe it, but it, God, Jim looked almost the most evil of them all. Like, just the way that his, you know, the whole way the character changed with those eyes and the little bit of makeup they've added, man, looked evil as fuck. I, I thought it was well done and very effective for me as someone who was pulling for Jimmy Cat to make it out of this thing. Uh, just yeah. look, and even the doctor, like, kind of being infected at the end there. Hey, man, I thought that was a nice. Again, that's why I asked if she was infected, because if so, what a dark fucking ending where nobody makes it out, which we don't typically have in these movies. Um, look, this shit makes me sad while he's delivering this sweet dialogue. But I'm not going to lie, I let out a very uncomfortable laugh when he's delivering this really nice speech and then says, cut your tits off. Like, I'm sorry it popped me. I can't help myself. (laughs) I have a sick sense of humor. What can I say? Uh, But I think it touches on something that we've already talked about, which is the person is still in there. Like, I feel like everything sweet he was saying 
was real and true, his true feelings, you know, going back to the tears that we get. But the virus can't allow him to not say something fucking terrible after. Like, I do feel like there's a, a little bit of both inside these people that are infected. I think it was very effective uh, because you could just tell how heartbroken Cat is until that little laugh and drool, which I'm still not sure what happens here. Uh, I will say the lingering shot on Jim's face was chef's kiss. That was scary, creepy, loved how they pulled that off. I thought it was really good. Uh, just, hey, a bleak ending, depending on how you inta- or how you interpret it, but I thought it was really well done. Not the ending I wanted, but can always get what you want. Shout out to the Rolling Stone. So it's a pretty good critical thinking skills uh, by Cat to breathe on the phone, to see the finger smudge pattern, to get it unlocked. I like that. That was cool. MacGyver would be proud. When Jim dropped the phone, that wasn't an oh shit moment. That was an ah shit moment. Like, damn, they got mm-hmm. my man. The virus got him. As soon as she said, where's the axe? I knew he was about to get it. I knew something bad was coming. I was hoping he would have got axed in the chest from around the corner like Dick got whacked in The Shining, but oh well. Uh, then when the motherfucker puked into his foot, foot wound, disgusting. That was the grossest thing in this whole movie, I think. That was brutal. And then Awful. Jim, ah, poor Jimmy, definitely infected. We see it now. I laughed when the doctor's 3D printed gun exploded. Like, that was just funny because he's like, ah, I thought I'd need protection, so I printed this fucking nerd. So it exploded. I loved it. We get a nice heartfelt conversation from from Kat and Jim here, but it's too late, my boy. It's over. And then he ruined it by saying you wanted to cut her tits off. Yeah, Mike, that popped me too. It's like, damn, all right, okay. Uh, Really emotional stuff. At this point, I'm thinking, damn, she's all alone now. I guess I'll have to make a trip overseas. I'll be there for her. But then we get the twist ending. She started drooling, so I think she's infected and not immune like we thought. Then she gets outside, and it sounds like she got mowed down by the military. Huh. Didn't see that coming. Now, that's open for interpretation, too. We don't know. Maybe they were mowing down other people. Maybe they, maybe she didn't die. I don't know. But, yeah, pretty good ending to a pretty good movie. I I do agree with you guys that, you know, whenever Jim starts talking about, you know, cutting her tit off and all that, it was funny, but... It was kind of, it was like in the midst of it, a really emotional part because I feel like a part of him was being sincere and the, you know, the loving boyfriend, but the virus was just overtaking. And that's when, you know. Oh, for sure. I, I, I thought it was really, really, really well done. I thought, I thought the filmmakers did a great job. I agree. Uh, I, I think the, the part that I'm talking about, though, is just the phrasing. No, no, it, no, no, it was hilarious. <laughs> it was hilarious. I agree. Yeah. But it was well timed because you could tell like there was some sincerity as well. Right. Yeah, so I, sure. I, I appreciated it. I uh, we don't have we don't have much on social media. This might be kind of a hidden gem kind of movie. Absolutely. Uh, in- Instagram, the Beancasters commented. Fun fact: I believe this movie was based off the graphic novel series Crossed. Truly, the most disturbing graphic novels I've ever read. The film does a pretty decent job replicating the sadistic and brutal nature of the novel. I have not read those novels, but this movie is very brutal and sadistic. I will agree. Uh, Dustin, you got any tr- uh, fun facts trivia? Yeah, I got some here. Uh, this film was funded with a mixture of cryptocurrency and revenue from a producer's cam girl business. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there was very little computer animation in the sadness with 99% of the special effects being practical effects. Uh, the cartoon that played at the beginning uh, of the film was an animated short from 2015 from the director Ron Jabez. I think, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, but also speaking of that cartoon, did y'all notice 
but like when the TV wasn't focused on the TV or on the cartoon, but you could still see it. Looks like that cartoon was fucking the shit out of something. I don't go back and watch that. <laughs> go back and watch that. He was whooping that shit, as one of my friends likes to say. <laughs> uh, in the scene where Cat is sitting on the subway, right by the uh, or by the right side of the businessman, the book she's reading is The Last Man from Mary Shelley. The book related to the film's subject because it's about a virus that spread to all humanity. So I thought that was a nice little added touch. Yep. Last thing I've got, there was a scene cut from the script where an infected individual enters an operating room where someone is having their brain operated on and the infected person defecates inside the open wound. It was cut because producers thought it was too funny. And Ron, uh, Rob Jabez <laughs> has since then made that gag public domain for anyone to steal it. Yeah, that would have been funny. I, I'm glad you didn't show up because yeah. that would have been, you know, that would have taken the cake as far as the puking right. into the foot wound, but kind of wish they'd have left it in. That shit would have been funny. I think they towed the line of the funny and serious just enough. Had they done that scene, I think we would have been tipping the scale and the played for laughs favor there, which nothing wrong with that. Just like that would have made a different tone to me. It would have been pretty fucking funny, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, perfectly. I'm going to read one trivia before you go, Mike. And I'm only going to read this because, you know, my dad, half of my family's from Taiwan. So I'm going to send a picture of this guy to my dad. Say, hey, you recognize him? Ralph, I think his last name is Chu, who plays a friendly neighbor in The Sadness, is a very recognizable face in Taiwan due to years of being the spokesman for a popular supermarket chain. So, yeah, I'm going to mess with my dad and send him a picture of this guy. Say, hey, you recognize him? <laughs> I like that. I like it. Uh, I will say, I man, I scoured. If anybody – Wants to correct me, that's fine. I couldn't find a budget. Uh, not because I didn't look. I spent a long time trying to find an actual budget number. Couldn't find one. I did find a box office, though. $430,254 worldwide. Limited release. Um, you know, it only got releases in certain countries. Uh, so, you know, limited release. I, I don't know what the budget was. But this is, you know, like Nico mentioned, a hidden gem. I would not let the box office money deter you from the fact that this is a movie you need to go watch at least one time. I thought it was it, it was really good and worthy of a real theatrical run, in my opinion. Definitely worth a watch, but if you're not into gore or extreme violence, you will yeah. not like this. No, you will not. This is not. This is not like you know we've said this on the show many times, like a gateway horror movie. This is not a gateway. I think you need to watch a few before uh, before you no. watch this one. Uh, hey, Dustin, do you want to knock out Brian's review real quick? Then I'll go. Who? Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> so these are the words of Brian. <clears throat> I'd actually forgotten that I'd watched this, but about a year ago, I saw a clip of the open with Jim on the scooter on TikTok, and I was like, quote, I got to watch this. I liked it. The gore is amazing. And that's what you expect from a zombie movie. It just hits a little different than torture porn like Terrifier or Human Centipede to me. And yeah, the effects are amazing. Shout out to Bonnie Chen, Islam Ab Abdelbadia. Yep, it's that person. And the entire art department, Abdelbadia, I think. Uh, yes, it's gory as hell, but it has a lot of heart as well. A lot of human moments that Brent Berant Zhu and Regina Lay do a good job of portraying. When the movie sucked, the director and writer get all of the blame, and so it should also go the other way. So round of applause to Rob, Rob Jabez for sure. I can't say these fucking names. I don't know what's going on. I love the way it was shot as well. Great use of the cuts and the transition between handheld and steady cameras was se seamless. Nothing looked fake to me or cheesy. 
I think this one is great. Some Resident Evil slash 28 Days Later vibes, and even some Last of Us vibes with the ending hinting about there possibly being a cure. I'm going to give this an 8.75. Let's get a sequel. I'm sorry I had to miss this one, Rochelle. Quote, I got kids. <laughs> yes, you do, my friend. Uh, I'm, I don't have anything wrote down, so I'm going to be quick. Favorite kill? A lot of good ones. A lot of good ones to pick from, but the one that got the biggest pop out of me, how many times have you seen somebody have a frying, a hot grease basket dumped on someone's head and their face ripped off? Got to go with that one. That was a great kill. But there are a lot of good kills. Least favorite kill. I mean, there's a bunch of them where it's just a bite or a st- or a, like I'll just go with the gunshot one. You know, any of them to the gunshot to the head. We'll go with that just because, you know. But those weren't bad either because the gore looked great. But I think we've all mentioned it already. Great gore. Uh, great story. I like how the virus is explained. I like how the doctor explained that these people subconsciously still know that they're doing bad things and they feel that they're doing bad things, but they can't control themselves. I really like that. And I like the fact that it was like really tongue in cheek with like everything that was going on during the COVID years. Uh, it really brought to light that people who think everything's a hoax or are politicians evil. I mean, I think we all know the answer to that, but I, I like yeah. the fact that they touched on all that stuff. I thought it was, I enjoyed it. My only qualms really were like, this movie is different from Train to Busan in the sense, like I mentioned, you don't really fall for a lot of the other sub side characters. So there wasn't a lot to like dive into with the other characters. That's not a huge complaint, but it is a complaint. And uh, yeah, I gave the movie 8.5. I really enjoyed it. All right. Uh, yeah. So look, I kind of said everything I on, on how I feel about it at the top, but just really quick, my favorite kill is the grenade in the back of the head. I thought it looked really awesome. Got the biggest kill. pop out of Great it's kill. A fucking awesome kill. Got a big pop out of me. Uh, my least favorite is just some of the random stabbings on the on the train. You know, and they look great. And, I, again, I love the sound that they made. Again, I mentioned, like, the hush funeral from the other guys. Uh, so it's not that I don't like them. It just on a list of great kills, they're kind of far down there. Um, I do really like this film. I thought it was a really good way to do a different kind of zombie or infection film. Um I, you know, I love some of the commentary it makes on COVID policies and politicians and all that stuff. I think they do a really good job of just kind of putting it in there without like slapping you over the head with it, making you realize it's there if you want it. And if you don't want it, you don't even have to view it that way. I love the characters of Jim and Kat. I think they're worth investing your time in a uh, very relatable couple. And I just love the way the film is shot. The gore is awesome. Kills are great. Uh, the acting is really, really well done. This is one of my favorite movies that we've done in a long time, I'll be honest with you. I thought it hit all the right notes for me. So all that being said, I gave it an 8.5. All right. So uh, really intense for me. Let's Actually, let me not skip ahead. I was going to give my rating. Forgot the kills. Favorite kill. I'm going to switch it up some. The woman in the beginning that jumped out of her window. Something about the body bouncing off the pavement. Yeah, that was tough, Dude, man. It same. I, I was like, oh, I had to pause. I was like, holy shit. So much yeah. happened like right then. Just the thud and the uh, the, the, pop, <laughs> the popping up off the uh, pavement. It's just, I don't know, it popped me. Least favorite kill, I'm going to go with Garbage Baby. Didn't deserve that. Didn't like that oh, one yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, rating. It's a really intense movie that actually had a story. Terrifier could take some notes. I think the acting was good, but then again, like I said, I don't speak the language, so I don't know. Their line delivery might have been bad, but to me, they seemed really good. 
Great gore, great effects. I'd definitely watch it again. I'd give it an 8.5. Unfortunately, Rochelle could not join us tonight, but she pre-recorded her thoughts. Uh, and before we throw it over to her recording, I just want to say thank you again so much, Rochelle, for your donation. It means a lot. You've been Absolutely. one of our biggest fans for a long time. Uh, it means a lot getting to know people all over the world. All right, let's check out Rochelle's thoughts on the sadness. Hi, I'm Rochelle. Thanks for having me on. Um, and this is my review for The Sadness. So The Sadness was super violent, super vile, but I loved it. Um, I like how the first 15 minutes give us kind of all the exposition we need to know that Jim and Cat, everyday average couple, you know, they fight, but they're in love and we know that we have to root for them. And then basically once that 15 minutes of peacefulness is up, we immediately jump into violence that does not let up for the rest of the runtime of the movie. And that first kill with the deep fryer, absolutely brutal and a great way to kick it off. I've seen a lot of people refer to the sadness as a zombie movie, but I completely disagree. The infected, as described by the scientist, are sadistic homicidal maniacs and due to the infection in their brain cannot control their violent urges, but there's still people with some level of awareness which doesn't feel zombie-esque to me. Examples of this that I noticed was Mr. Lin. He recognizes Jim as his neighbor when he attacks him in his apartment. Um, the kids torturing the man at the basketball court. To me, they still kind of had like childlike tendencies, such as running away from Jim when he attacks them, but then coming back with backpacks full of rocks. And I'm not sure why, but this just feels like something a group of teenage boys would do normally. Um, so it still kind of felt like they had that childlike essence deep down. But my favorite example of like the awareness that the infected show is through the businessman. He obviously felt like a deep anger towards Cat for rejecting him. And even once he's infected, getting to Cat is his main motive. He was so salty about the fact that she did not reciprocate his advances that even with his brain all messed up, his top objective was to hunt her down and hurt her. I think we also see throughout the movie the different levels of good and evil within humanity before they even become infected, obviously with the businessman embodying evil, and then on the flip side, Kat embodying the good when she decides to save Molly and help her get help. Um, she didn't have to do that, she didn't know her, but she decides to do it anyways. And then there's the scientist, which is kind of a gray area for me because he convinces himself when he's kind of monologuing to Kat near the end when they're in the maternity ward. And you know, he's saying, I did this for, to find a cure. I needed to do this, so and so. Um, but that kind of left me thinking, you know, is he really doing this to help to find a cure or is he doing this selfishly to be the hero? Because at the beginning, he's definitely salty that no one's really listening to him about this disease that's spreading the infection. Um, so I could see it being kind of a gray area on what his true intentions were with the babies. And that kind of kept me kept in my head even after the movie ended. Overall, The Sadness is a violent and gory movie. And while I wasn't like scared per se, I was definitely on the edge of my seat with all the excessive gore and definitely cringing and feeling uncomfortable with the vocabulary that the infected used. Uh, the way they spoke was just, ugh, did not like. <laughs> um, overall, though, I would give the sadness an 8.8 .8 out of 10. I liked the pacing. I liked the over-the-top violence, um, which at times kind of felt comical, like with the 
grenade in the president's mouth. Uh, but other times was really, truly horrifying, such as the businessman and Molly's eye. That whole scene is just scarred into my brain forever. Um, I liked the story, although I don't really think we needed all that exposition at the end from the scientist. I feel like I had already come to the conclusions kind of before he started going into his monologues. As for what I disliked, I can't really think of anything. I honestly just overall really liked the movie. I like a movie that's going to make me uncomfortable, and that's exactly what this did. So I think, yeah, it was a great watch, and yeah, thank you. All right, that gives us a composite score of an 8.61. IMDb has it at a 6.4 rating, but only 18,000 votes, so definitely a sleeper pick. Not too many people have seen it. It doesn't appear in the ones who have. Maybe they just don't like horror movie. I don't know, because this was a good one. I don't one. know. Yes, it was. Great pick, Rochelle. Thank you. Very good pick. Uh, I'm glad you picked oh. this one. Uh, I would have gotten around to it eventually, but I'm glad you expedited my watching. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It's Me definitely too. going into the rotation. It probably is, It's probably my second favorite zombie movie uh, after Train to Busan. It's up there. It's- it's up there for me too. It's really I, good. I, I mean, it's it's well paced. Don't yep. get boring. I mean, what more can you ask for? Uh, let's jump, let's shout out our blood donors, and I'll announce our Christmas winter theme pick for next week. Michael Evans is a new final guide donor. Really appreciate you. Fraser Rice is a new Dream Warrior level donor, and of course, Rochelle Mack, legendary blood donor. Can't thank you enough. Camper level reoccurring. Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Mirza, the Horror Movie Crew podcast. Alex Seligson, Eric Doolittle, Sean Irwin. Happy birthday to you too, buddy. Uh, we didn't forget you. Kelsey Miller, CJ, my boy Christopher James, Michael Evans, Camp Council Reoccurring, Edwin Hernandez Gunn, Joe Swinford, Kylie Denise, all the way from Australia, Adrian Aiello, Karen, Brian Samick, Andrew Ferguson, Matt Strickland, and Brooke Maley. Just want to thank all of our blood donors. It takes a big, big burden off of us to help us pay these bills to make this podcast. It means a lot to us. And we we did a vote for our winter Christmas theme pick, and Brian's Batman Returns won in devastating fashion. <laughs> so we're going to be reviewing Batman Returns next week. Y'all guys, hey, you got I, any I final? Yeah, I think I think there was some collusion. I think the voting machines. I think they were mailing some ballots to some eligible voters. This is this is election fraud. This is election fraud. I blame you know Kirk Herbstreit's dog. I said I blame Kirk Herbstreit. That's who I blame. This is bullshit. <laughs> Brian you're, just a, Brian, you're just the kind of person that Kirk Herbstreit is. I hope you hear this. <laughs> I, Al Gore like, said he I wants like a recount. Yeah. I like Batman Returns, too. Let's get it. A lot it. of hanging Chad is all I'm saying. But, no, I, I really enjoy <laughs> Batman Returns, so I look forward to it. I, I do, seen, too. I haven't seen it in years. So I guess I'm excited to rewatch it. I guess it's horror adjacent. I guess we're bending the rules here. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're bending the hell out of the rules. But, <laughs> yeah, but anyway. <laughs> Hey, we did frailty. We can do Batman Returns. Oh, give me a fucking break. All right. We just want to thank you all for uh, tuning in. Rochelle, thank you again. Really appreciate your donation. This movie was awesome. Uh, thank you again for picking it, man. I really enjoyed Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and y'all have a good one. Join us next week for Batman Returns. Just want to remind everybody.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.